Tonight we continue our study concerning the study of God, the character of God, who God is. We have noted in the past weeks several characteristics related to the deity of God. Of course, that is that we have noted attributes exclusive to God, such as His holiness. We've talked about His omnipotence, His omnipresence, His omniscience, uh, the eternal nature of God. So tonight I want us to look and study the, and examine the glory of God. A lot of passages tonight to look at, so get those Bibles out and get them warmed up. Uh, and hopefully we can spend some time looking uh, at those <clears throat> passages just in just a few moments. And I can go ahead and tell you that we're going to begin in the book of Exodus tonight and kind of work our way uh, forward, uh, looking at the glory of God. There are, there are literally hundreds of passages, both in the Old Testament and the New that deal with the glory, most of it which are related to God. When in reference to the, using the word glory, most of those passages are related to God himself, either describing his glory or our need, now notice this, even describing his glory or our need to glorify him. So in this lesson, we will just really touch the hem of the garment uh, concerning the glory of God. But our goal is to define what glory is. Just what is glory when it speaks of general use or referring to God. Examine the glory of God. And notice how we are to glorify Him. First of all, the word glory defined. Many um, dictionaries and things have different, uh, different ways of presenting that meaning of that word. But one states it this way. Very great praise. Honor or distinction bestowed by common consent. Renown. Something that is a source of honor or fame or admiration. Adoring or worshipful thanksgiving. Replendent beauty or magnificence. In a verb usage, meaning to exalt with triumph or rejoice proudly. In each of these definitions, it has to do with the subject of the glory of God. Now in the Greek, the word glory, doxa, 
signifies an opinion, an estimate, and hence the honor resulting from a good opinion, if you will. Vines will state it this way, when man glories in himself, he is highly esteeming himself. But when he worships and serves the creature, instead of the creator, he is placing greater opinion or glory on something over God. Thayer adds a splendor or brightness concerning God. And we'll have more to talk about that as we dig through the passages just in a few moments. But what is the glory of God? And again, our goal is to understand the glory which is much greater than defining it as an opinion. The glory of God is much greater than just defining it as one's opinion. The New Testament usage of the word doxa is different than really the common Greek, but most often denotes divine and a heavenly radiance. The loftiness and the majesty of God and even the being of God and His Word. Its use in the New Testament is very much derived from the Old Testament word kabod, which points to worthiness. In other words, with all of that said, God is worthy. He deserves. He should get our highest praise and honor in all parts of our life. One commentary wrote, it says, Glory is the true apprehension of God or things. The glory of God must mean His unchanging essence. And giving glory to God is ascribing to Him His full recognition. And that is that we are speaking of when we examine the glory of God. Now with all that said, we can say tonight that the glory of God is something that we should know something about. Something that we should be able to, to know about and explain and to implement into our lives in all facets of our lives. One will say, well, how do we do that? We'll talk about that at the end of this lesson. I hope to get there tonight. <clears throat> but how do we do that? Sometimes I think that we as Christians think that the only time that we can glorify God is when we're sitting in this building. That's a misconception. We should bring honor and worthiness and praise to God in all parts of our life. And we'll talk more again 
about that. Starting in the book of Exodus, in chapter 24, God has manifested his glory on several occasions. Now, the word manifested there meaning has shown, okay, has made known or made available. God has made available his glory or shown his glory on several occasions as he interacted with man. In Exodus 24, 9 through 17, accounts of his appearance at Mount Sinai. Moses, Aaron, and two sons, plus 70 elders, saw a glimpse of God, verses 10 and 11. And it says, they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet as were a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness, And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. Now we'll have more to talk about that in a few moments. But as we see in Exodus 24, 9 through 17, these men had a glimpse of God. Moses goes up to receive the tablets of the stone that will contain the Ten Commandments that will erect the children of God. In verses 15 and 18, it describes the awesomeness of the occasion. A cloud covered the mountain. And notice there that it says, The glory of the Lord was what? Like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. If you remember in studying that in past accounts, remember how afraid the people were, the desire that Moses speak with God, speak with them rather instead of God, who has thundered the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, when you go back to Exodus 20, verses 18 and 20. But as we move forward in our scripture reading tonight in Exodus 33, as was read just a moment ago, as the Lord instructs Moses, now we're still looking at times that God has manifested on several occasions His glory to man. Now our scripture reading tonight, remember that He prepared Moses to prepare the people, He instructs him to prepare the people to depart Mount Sinai. And Moses, if you remember, desires to see the glory of God. And again, this comes after the children of Israel have again, if you remember, rejected God by building the golden calf. If you remember the account, Moses broke the table of stones. He pitches his tent, if you remember, outside of the camp and calls it the tabernacle of meeting. And from there, Moses speaks with God. And it's in this text that we read, so the Lord spoke with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend in verse 11. Moses desires to see the way of the Lord. And he gives a reason. He says, that I may know you and find grace in your sight. But now in this text, the Lord assures Moses that he will go with him. 
And as you look through 18 and 23, you see those things. And in chapter 34, he records Moses making the new tablets that he will present to God and will write on them as the others. In chapter 34 and verse 10, we see that interceding with the people and the Lord makes a covenant with him and Israel. Now, in chapter 34 and verses 29 through 35, notice what the scripture says. It came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, and when he came down from the mount, that Moses was not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh or near him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron read, and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them a commandment, all that the Lord had spoken with them in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So as we read that the face of Moses shone so bright because he had been in the presence of God. He had to put a veil on so that the people would look at him. Now note how in this text that when Moses went in to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil. And when he revealed the message of the Lord, it was with an unveiled face. And it was with the message of God he was speaking with glory. When he finished, he would put the veil on until he went to speak with the Lord. Now some have said that this was how it was with Moses and the rest of the time with Israel. But now this text is a demonstration of the awesome glory of God. Another occasion is the dedication of the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35, when the cloud covered the tabernacle of the meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. We see another instance in the book of Luke. In chapter 2 and verse 8 through 11. At the birth of our Lord. At the birth of Jesus, when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, we read. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and what? The glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. If you remember in Matthew 17, the transfiguration of Jesus, where he's seen with Elijah and Moses, we're told, 
So he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. Peter writes about that in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 16 and 18, where he says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, but were I, as main doe to the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of what? His majesty. Remember that word back in the definition? For he received from God the Father and honor and God the Father, honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. When he said these words, you remember well, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Peter writes and says, we heard this voice which came from heaven and we were with him on the holy mountain. When we were with him on the holy mountain. If you remember Stephen, when he was stoned in Acts 7, seized the glory of God and Christ at his right hand. So in all of these examples that we've thrown out here tonight, we get a glimpse into the glory of God. You know, we could say as we study those, and I hope you take more time to go and read those, but how truly glorious God is. With that glory and all of that said, God demonstrated that glory or his glory in Jesus. John chapter 1 and verses 14 through 18, speaking of Christ, is Christ is coming to this earth, it notes, it says, and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now the text further states, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared, and when we see the life of Jesus and consider the sinless, perfect life of our Lord, we see the greatness and the glory of God demonstrated to us. If you remember the account of when, um, how Jesus later told his disciples who they requested when he says, show us the Father. I believe it's in John 14 and 8, 8 and 9. But he tells them, says, How have I been with you so long? And yet, he goes on to say, And yet you have not known me. And he's speaking to Philip. He's asking Philip, I've been with you so long, you still don't know me? He who has seen me, he went on to say in that scripture, has seen the Father. So how can you say to me or show us the Father? John 17 and 1 through 5, as Jesus prays to the Father, just before going to the garden, he speaks of the glory of God and how he glorified him. Hebrews 1 in verse 3, 
through. Now look, we're looking at the thought of how God has shown or demonstrated His glory through Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, speaking of Christ, he says there, who being the brightness of His glory and express an image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. How many scripture have we heard through the years and that we know for God is commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of our God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. Jesus, if you remember, was what? The light in what? In darkness. God's glory is a great appearance of light. And if you think, as we think back through other studies and things of how Jesus is the light of the world and, and those types of things, Jesus is God, God is Jesus, Holy Spirit, three in one, the Godhead. It all brings it together, doesn't it? How the light from God shows and is manifested through all of these things. God's glory described in His name, His power, His holiness. And we've talked about those things, haven't we? His nature. And they're exclusive to Him. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 8. He says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another nor my praise to carved images. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. Psalms 93 and 1. So all of this said, these are samplings of things that exhibit the glory of God. In the last few moments that we have as we head to close this lesson, what does this mean to us? All of these scriptures about the glory of God and, and Moses' face shining and the soul light, they had to put a veil on and the transfiguration and, and the glory of God. What does this mean to us today in 2022? What does it mean to us tonight sitting right here trying to glean from these passages Well, I want to suggest to you a few things. We are to glorify God. One says, why? Because of God's great glory and our realization of that, in humility, we bow before Him and glorify Him. God is the creator of all things. God has the power and control of all things. God created everything you see. We owe everything we have to God. Our children that we've been blessed with through the way God shown man and woman to procreate and to replenish the earth we owe God praise for the salvation that we have in His Son, that we have hope of heaven, eternity. 
being with him, we owe God praise and glory. What does it mean to glorify him? Again, the word glorify means to render glory to God. Notice the the rest of this. Recognize him for who and what he is. To celebrate with praises, to worship, to adoration. In Psalms 57 and verse 5, we see the desire of David, a man after God's own heart. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. As we understand God, may this be our example. May may we use these words. Because what David's saying is, God, may you be exalted and lifted above all things in this earth. You see, we as Christians, as mankind, we have to give the glory and worship and adoration that God deserves. That's why I can't understand why people will not be at these doors every time they're open. Because God deserves it. It would be, it, it would, it, God deserves really, if our elders said seven days a week we're going to come together to praise and to worship and, and, and to notice our God and to put him where he needs to be, it would be okay. Because God deserves that. He deserves that glory and that honor. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do in the, or do all to the glory of what? God. Whatever you do. That is, when we are going about our daily lives, how can I take everything in my life and my daily activities and give God the glory? You think about that. One might say, well, what what am I going to do when I go to the gym and I'm working out? Give God the glory. Well, how do I do that? God gave you the health to even go to the gym and work out. Well, how do I do it when I go to work and and I'm in this workplace and and God gave you the health and God gave you the job to go and do it. He allowed you to have those things. We need to be more of a people, and I think most of us are, that in everything that we have and we do, we need to give God the glory. Thank God for it. And we as parents need to share that same concept with our children. Everything you have, children, is because of God. And when you plant that into their minds at a young age, you can't wait till they're older. 
I mean, there have been those who've come back. But when you plant that in their minds, that God is to be praised and glorified and honored in everything in your life, even the sports you play, when they have that type of attitude, they are more likely to stay right where they need to stay in the church. But we have to teach them. We have to show them. We as parents need to be telling them, you know why daddy got this or why mama got this or why we have this or why we have that? Why we've been blessed with this money or that money or this property or this? It's because of God. God gives us all these things. When you go to, when you go to school, you, you make the grade or you, you pass that test that you're worried about uh, to get a certificate or, or to get a degree. God done that. God helped you do that. That's what it means to us today. We are to glorify him in all things by being a proper example. 1 Peter 2 and 12, honorable conduct among the Gentiles, Peter wrote, leads to them. By your good works, which they deserve, glorify God in the day of visitation. What does this mean to us? By our proper example in our daily lives, young people, older people, everything we do, our example shows the glory of God and giving Him the glory, praising Him. Whoever offers praise glorifies me. Psalms 50 and verse 23. Now get this one. This is the person for the person who has never been baptized. And who is not a Christian. By accepting his word. The word of God. The plan of salvation. I give God the glory and praise by accepting what he said and doing it. Peter writes in Acts, or, or Acts 11 when Peter explains to those in Jerusalem what had happened. The account there says they became silent and glorified God saying... Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. He's granted to you. By the glory of God, you have that tonight. So by our proper example, praising him, accepting his word, bearing fruit for him, John 15 and 8, by our conduct, it also includes the words we speak. 1 Peter 4, 11, speak as... The oracle's God. When we teach and proclaim his praises and greatness, and we could go on and on, we are glorifying him. Even through our suffering, we glorify God. So in conclusion tonight, We've seen a glimpse of just how glorious our God is. I hope tonight as a result of, of this that we will give him the glory and honor 
he deserves in all that we do. He truly is, as we sing sometimes at camp, an awesome God. God's awesome. Psalms 104 and verse 31 says, May the glory of the Lord endure forever. And I hope that in future lessons we will see his character even more. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 speaks of the grace of God as it appeared to all men teaching us to live godly lives in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord or of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Christ is coming back. God is going to send him. God's going to be there. Let me ask you this question tonight. Are you prepared for his glorious appearing? Are you prepared for his glorious appearing? We've talked about glory. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an event that day unlike any other event that we've ever experienced. There's not going to be any confusion of what that day is when the Lord comes back. His glorious appearing. Are you prepared tonight? to meet our Lord. If he should come back tonight, would you go to heaven? Do you need to be baptized for remission of your sins? Accept his word and glorify God through that decision in your life from now on. We hope that we can help you with that. But maybe you just need to repent and come back home tonight. It's my wish and God's wish that every, everybody can go to heaven. But you know what? There's some factors that are involved. You've got to do your part. If you're ailing, whatever's holding you back, you need to fix that. Whatever's holding you back, whatever struggles you have, you need to sit down and you need to talk to one of our elders or me or Brother Gossett or somebody and figure out why you're where you are in your life and where you're wanting to go and how you're going to get there. You need to do that. Don't keep riding it where you are and just say, oh, uh, you know, I'm just going to take my chances. Well, there's no chances on the day of judgment. You're either saved and going to heaven or you're not saved and going to heaven. It's that simple. You need to fix that. We're not going to go down the aisle and pull you out and drag you down here. It's got to be a decision on your own to fix what's wrong and to make it right. Whatever it takes. I'll sit up to midnight with you. I don't care. But tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.